Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Convery. I'm thrilled to be here with you today, and I've got an exciting guest who is a University of Toronto international scholar and a passionate about the world of finance and trading. Meet Ahmed Eshel Abbas, a dynamic second-year student at UTSC, where he's diving into the world of finance and statistics. What sets Ahmed apart? Well, his journey, of course, it includes impressive stints in hedge funds, where he has gained valuable insights and even founding his own firm. And if that's not enough, he just secured a co-op position in Capital Markets Division at Scotiabank with a focus on sales and trading. Congratulations. When he is not focusing on his career in quantitative trading and exploring new ways to integrate artificial intelligence into trading solutions, you can find Ahmed playing football, enjoying time at the gym, or with friends playing table tennis. So stick around and let's get ready for a podcast episode packed with insights, inspiration, and a whole lot of student power. Ahmed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ryan, for having me. It's truly an honor and pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure to have you. So we're going to start with some really kind of fun get to know you questions, and then we'll get into your story and how you've done so much and where you're going with things. So first, um, what are your pronouns? I'm he and him. He and him. Uh, superpower. What is your superpower? Superpower. I'd say grit, determination. And last but not least, I'd say it's the way I think. I believe that my idea of perceiving things is a bit different from others. Awesome. Good thing to have. Good thing to have those insights. Uh, do you have a favorite smell? Favorite smell? Oh, I'm a big perfume fanatic. So I, I stored a lot of perfume. I have, I have close to 37 bottles of perfume that I have, but there's no special so on. But I, it's basically depending on occasion to occasion. Ah, okay. Okay. Awesome. Um, Best compliment you've ever received? I'd say it would be, I'm a fanatic. This one time I came <laughs> across uh, like a bunch of people and yeah. they, I basically explained my story to them and I'm imagining things and they said that you're a fanatic for doing so much. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah, that's a good one. It's uh, It speaks uh, depths of what you can do. Um, we all have a go-to snack, something we like to have. Uh, maybe as a guilty pleasure or now and then, but what's your go-to snack? I'd say since I'm from India, my favorite food is biryani and it's been with me always. Like if, if I am happy and if I decide to do something well, it's biryani. If I'm sad, it's biryani. What it, could you spell that? What is it? Biryani? It's biryani. Biryani. Biryani okay. is basically an Indian dish. It's, okay. It's aromatic rice with pieces of chicken and you mix it and it takes like around four or five hours to prepare. It's a very famous dish, uh, dish across the oh, Asian wow. households, I'd say. Mm, sounds delicious. <laughs> um, what is your favorite holiday? Sorry? Your favorite holiday? Favorite holiday? I recently went to Mexico with my friends in Cancun. So that yeah. was pretty nice. So my recent, I'd say that has been a wonderful trip with my friends back, like from different places across the world. Nice. With all my friends were from US, I'd say you, United States and India and some of them were at British Columbia. So all of us decided to go to Cancun, Mexico. I'd say that. That's nice. That's nice. Um, I know you've done a lot and been exposed to a lot of financial trading type things, but what was your very first job? I think I never had a first job. My first job was actually when I borrowed some money from my mom and dad and I started trading. 
So I would say that really? would be the very yes. Wow. I'd say that would be the very first introduction to money that I had. And I have to ask, how young were you when you did that? I would I was in grade tenth. I just completed grade tenth. So okay. Okay. That's like three years. I'd say fifteen, sixteen. You yeah. really did jump right into the world of trading. That's pretty cool. I was thinking you're going to say maybe like mowing a lawn or working at a restaurant, <laughs> but trading right away. That's awesome. It can tell us it's your passion. So that's awesome. Um, if you had to pick a word to describe yourself, what, how would you describe yourself? Obsessed. Obsessed? Okay. That's yes. a good one. I like it. I like it. Oh, thank you for going through those. So let's, let's jump in. Um, your journey has been both per personally and professionally truly compelling. Um, can you take the audience and us on a more in-depth exploration of this journey and what are some of the key lessons you've learned uh, along the way that might resonate with, you know, the audience listening in today? Absolutely. I can, I think I'll start from grade 10. So in grade 10, I it was pursuing humanities with economics. So basically that would be history, political science, economics. English and legal studies. Those are my subjects in high school. Now, someone would wonder why did I go from humanities to finance without maths in it or any of the commercial subjects. So during COVID-19, I got introduced to the stock market by my friend sending me an Instagram post that said stocks were on sale. That basically got me interested. And I was like, oh, I've heard shops, etc., like different types of goods on sale, but I never heard stocks on sale. So that basically triggered my interest. And it's so funny that I randomly called my brother that day. And I told him that, you know, we should venture into the stocks thing. And we had zero idea. And he was very supportive of the idea. And he helped me gain funds. And I took that idea to my mom and dad. And they said, no, you need to study. And you, need, you should focus on your coursework. But my brother helped me and encouraged me to pursue this journey. And starting then, I traded the Indian stock market for around two years. It was a very long journey where I took a lot of losses. I lost around twelve to 15,000 Indian dollars for a perspective that I borrowed from my mom and dad. But I was, I'd say, fortunate and determined enough to continue my journey. And it took me two years to become profitable. Providing being profitable, I decided to manage other people's money, proven my track record. I took some money and I started trading on their behalf. That's the starting point of AB Capitals. That's the firm that I founded alongside my brother. Moving forward, seeing my journey it resonated with me that there's a big gap in the Indian education system. So I decided to establish Investopodium. That's where I, alongside my brother, trained over 100 students in the field of stock market and training institution. So moving forward now, I, it was my college time and I had to pursue a college degree. So in India, it's not you cannot pursue finance or any sort of mathematical degree without studying maths in grade 11 and 12. So I did my mathematics from Virtual High School Canada, which allowed me to apply to online universities, like online universities like in Canada, UK, and the US. I applied to all three of the universities, but my admission to any of the universities or me attending those universities on, was, on, was contingent on the fact that I should receive a scholarship. And I was fortunate enough to receive International Scholars Award at University of Toronto Scarborough. And that's how I am here. After that's fantastic. That, oh my gosh. Congratulations on that. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> so after that, I came to University of Toronto Scarborough and I decided to pursue my same interests in different sort of field. So I decided to join numerous clubs on campus. My latest was Sustainable Innovation Group, where I am exploring my interest in sustainability in conjunction to finance. I participated in a lot of competitions, I'd say, 
and moving forward that's my journey at college and this right now at college i was fortunate enough to secure my first co-op at scotia bank and i'm i will be doing interest rate trading on the derivatives desk amazing amazing wow what a what boy you've really dipped your toe right into it early it's it's really cool to see and it's inspiring um talking about the sustainable innovation group uh, what how do you collaborate with experts and stakeholders to find and promote those sustainable solutions absolutely so i think sustainable innovation group is the only tri campus organization that exists right now in the field of sustainability finance so we have around 31 members right now and how do we collaborate is basically we have we are not a narrow minded club that's we do not have a specific interest we are exploring and we are open to more ideas so then like last year we did numerous events for instance we had a venture pitch where we had investments people pitch sustainable businesses and investors investing into them and taking that idea we had a esg research face off challenge where we had different teams come up from different campuses so those are some of the examples and this year we have broadened the scope of our club and we have also done a few consulting projects where we are collaborating with different stakeholders and helping them succeed so as a club we the something that sets us apart is our dynamic nature we are not narrow minded we are very broad minded we allow every new idea to come into we have a research team we have an external relations team but specifically collaborating i'd say specifically in utsc a lot of people don't give that importance to the field of sustainability and how growing that field is once we venture into this field we realize that this is the golden goose where the next 10 to 15 years of money is going to be made in the world of finance because more or less climate change is real and it's going to push investments company and everything to the field, to the goal of you know curbing climate change so i think this is something which should everyone should look into and start exploring and i would also say that you know the traditional career paths are changing mm-hmm. and sustainability is being incorporated into every domain i'd say from tech to consulting to finance to as small as a restaurant industry to the restaurant industry where the buildings are going net zero so it's a very ever dynamic changing field yeah no some great insights there i agree with you the sustainability aspects of just over the last couple of years it's popped up in every different job category and industry and what a cool thing that you you've started there with that group that's awesome and you know being a second year bba co-op management student at toronto scarborough specializing in finance and applied science statistics sorry what what really uh, motivated you to pursue this academic path and how do you think that aligns with your overall passion for capital markets and quantitative trading i think the first part would be choosing utsc was because yeah. of the highly recognized co-op program it's the only i'd say one of the only universities in the world that allows students to complete three or more work terms and get the experience to lead that's the line that we have and i think it really helps because i see other people who don't do internships till their third or fourth year and they barely have seen the scope of real world and that has allowed me to do this internship that i'll be starting off on from december 27th so number one would be co-op the second would be the nature of the bba program the curriculum itself is very rigid but mm-hmm. diverse like we are forced to take courses which are not everyone's comfort zone for instance if you are in bba you're supposed to take accounting economics maths marketing hr organizational behavior so by the depth of those six different category of courses and even strategy you are exposed to every domain which allows you to pick whatever field you are 
for instance someone is very passionate about finance by just notion of watching a movie they would do all of these courses and then they would realize that okay strategy is interesting too i have a lot of my friends who have who have switched from finance to strategy and there's you know strategy is pretty interesting so i think utsc's this curriculum is definitely want to watch out for and for anybody who's listening to this should definitely consider you coming to utsc because of this program sounds good sounds good and i think it's really interesting that you tapped into that right away and i 100% agree with you i think one of the the reasons i attracted to work with utsc over the years and also most recently as the executive in residence was the exposure they give students to these opportunities at an earlier part in their career um and, and so many different either companies and or schools think about these co-op opportunities like fourth year, third year, fourth year, but it's just as appropriate for a first and second year to get that ex- exploration of what's really out there, right? So it's it's a cool, it's cool that you've done into that. You know, talking about co-op as well, um, I know you tapped into it a little bit, but how has that changed your life? And in, any ideas or advice to other students when they're considering right now, should I go to school with a co-op? Should I go without one? What what would be your advice based on your experience? I think I tapped this into two sides. One is my personal experiences. And the second would be how University of Toronto helps you get into it. So the first thing, once you are in co-op, from day one, you have to take two required courses, which basically introduces you to the nature of jobs. And it basically gets you thinking that, okay, there is something known as co-op. There is something known as internships. A lot of people don't think about it. What do I mean by think about is that doing an internship is seeing the current atmosphere. I would say it is a full-time job in itself. From day one, once you are into co-op, you, they will basically teach you the basics of resume writing. From not, It's not only confined to resume. I would say it's resume writing. How do you speak? How your LinkedIn looks? What are the certain things that you should do? And what are the certain things that you shouldn't do? In class, you get networking opportunities with senior students who have done co-ops. So it basically establishes the foundation and encourages people to actively think, okay, I should start posting on LinkedIn. I should start reaching out and I should do all of this. So second, the broader idea of getting into a co-op is from day one, having not having a tunnel vision, but having a broad vision that, okay, my academics are there, but I need to go out of my way to meet new people, understand fields, and really do it. Because I vehemently believe that it's about what do you want to do in life? College is a part of that. What you're doing outside of college is something that shapes majority of our lives. If I'm interested in finance, okay, what are the different avenues in finance? And that will later down my life will give me the pleasure or will allow me to live a life where I'm enjoying the life. Because School is only for there for four years or three years. That's right. it. And definitely you can agree to it as you have a vast portfolio of, you know, careers and different places where you have worked in and it's allow you to gain this experience. On a personal note, I would share that co-op offers or the co-op in general has definitely lays down the foundation, but it's the prerogative of a person itself to go out of its way. What do you, what do I mean by going out of its way is start is basically having a polished social profile having a social brand is very important for instance i definitely i regularly post about finance and when any anyone goes onto that linkedin it it basically gives them a visual image of how what what am i what are my interests what do i look like so that's number one the second would be reaching out to people definitely reaching out to industry professionals alumni and senior people like senior students who have done those internships is crucial and last but not the least is never to give up 
I had had so many rejections during this co-op seeking cycle. I would say it's more than 50 or 60 rejections that I faced. And in the end, I was able to receive four, four or five interviews. But I was, I worked very hard to convert those four or five interviews into job offers. But I'd say definitely it's not for the faint-hearted, but it'll, it definitely has its own rewards. It's such a great um, way to think through that and and even like sharing the rejections as well, because through that, you learn how to be better too through the interview process and other things. And sometimes it's just the number of seats available. But um, I, I really thank you for sharing that, because I think for other students going through this, um, understanding that, you know, it, it's not for the faint hearted, as you said, like this, this is, uh, you know, the real world, so to speak, right? And things don't always go as planned. And how do you, how do you pivot from that and make some changes? But I mean, clearly too, you've done some great things that have gotten great recognition, um, you know, including the International Scholar Award. And I know I said congratulations earlier, but congratulations, it's a pretty big deal. And, you know, thinking about that, um, how, like for other students trying to think about how to maybe win scholarships or to get some of those awards and recognition. I know it comes with hard work, but what anything you would share about, you know, maybe how to think about um, applying yourself to become someone of award, an award winner or a scholarship winner to go to school? Absolutely. I think there are certain things which go across universities because I'd applied to uh, United Kingdom, United States of America, as well as Canada. So I can speak from that behalf as well. There are certain prerequisites that are seen in every scholarship criteria. For instance, grades are number one. I always say that, that having a high GPA, or like in school, I'd say grade 10th, 11th, and 12th, that's the system that's followed in India, is definitely crucial. Having a good academic standing is number one. Second, that stands out is your extracurricular activities. So I would definitely say a lot of high school students have this notion that they should basically do anything and show that as an extracurricular activities. But I am a bit against this. I would share the fact that you should choose something that you're genuinely passionate about. Even if you're passionate for passionate about that deal for like two months, it's fine. But that can open up your opportunities in life. For instance, my, my passion for trading, basically, I use that as one of the extracurriculars when applying to universities. And in the hindsight, I see that is basically the standing bone of where I am. That's basically the stepping stone that has defined my career. That has allowed me to learn so much. So as a high school kid, the first thing you should do is grades. The second you should focus on is having projects or extracurricular activities around anything. It could be finance. It could be as small as basically helping stray dogs to, you know, building something like a NASA project. I know people who have done all sorts of things. So it's about, and it should be meaningful to you because then only you'll be able to separate yourself from the rest. If you are doing it for the sake of it, you'll just be an average person. But if you're going in depth and you're actually understanding, it's th that's the point which differentiates from people receiving the scholarships and not receiving the scholarship. Last but not the least, I would also say is personal essays. Essays are a founding backbone of any university across states or North America. Your essays should be meaningful and you should start early. And something that I did was I approached uh, career counselors that help me knowing what universities are there for you, what's their requirement procedures, etc. And some of the other things I would also include is LORs, that's the letter of recommendations from your teachers and from your business activities. The second would be being genuine. It's very important to research the university as well. 
because a lot of people have the notion that okay i should just get into any university but you are spending your four years you should always see you know what's the life there what are students saying about it that there are always flaws and good things about a university so these are some of the points that i'd say that one should look into wow really great thank you for sharing i mean i think that that whole part in itself could be a podcast just <laughs> sharing those insights because i know so many people don't know how to go about it but i think the thing i heard the most from you too was the passion right be passionate about what you're doing and apply that um because if you're just building out a scholarship or an application and things not based on anything that's passionate about it then it's not all that exciting right for you as an individual um i think that was some really really good thoughts there um, I also have to say, like, um, Investorium, um, first of all, I, I started this podcast for students for student voices and bring in other people now to talk about their career journeys. But wow, running a registered student run stock market training institution, <laughs> um, I find that so motivating and so inspiring and so much initiative you took to do that. Um, how, like... Can you talk a little bit about that as a, I know you said you did it with your brother, but maybe some success stories or notable achievements from the program? Because I've never heard anyone doing something like that. And I just thought it's such an entrepreneurial spirited mindset you have. Maybe maybe kind of share a little bit about that. Absolutely. I, I want people to understand my journey in a step-by-step format, uh, in a format, in a format which is step-by-step so that they get a macro picture on how everything sure. falls into the place. So the first step is my passion. I was passionate about finance and trading. That led me to have the idea of making Investorium. What motivated me to do so was my own journey. Because when I was learning on how to trade, there, there were a lot of resources, but, but there were flaws in those resources. So my motivation to start Investorium came from my journey that I should make a platform where anybody can come and learn how to trade the Indian stock market. That was my second pillar. The third pillar is the execution portion, and which is the toughest. I remember alongside my brother, we devised a curriculum. We made this guide. With the help of my friends, I made a Discord channel. I started posting reels and you know became a micro-influencer. I also posted a lot of dancing reels and the trending stuff. But in my first month, I barely got four people to join in. And moving from those four people to over 60, 70 people and training them is a whole journey in itself. But what I want people to understand is how those things fall into place. If I was not passionate about this thing in the first place, I would drop in the first month because I'm not mm-hmm. seeing results. I'm not seeing any consistency. I'm seeing four people. Oh, I'm I'm doing reels. I'm doing Discord. I'm doing everything possible. Why am I not getting? But that's the part of life. And that happens to everyone. But that's where passion, motivation, determination, and the consistency comes in. And the fourth thing is actually delivering a good quality education to people and solving their issues. That's the main and ultimate goal of Investorium. What we did was basically we devised a month-long curriculum and something I would now delve into what Investorium exactly was. It was basically we would ask students to sign up and they would sign up. They had to pay a small fee, which was relatively very low or less in comparison to other competitors. And why did we decide to take money? Was if you had paid money, you would be more motivated to attend classes and do it. If I would say, oh, this is a free class, nobody would show up. I'm I'm absolutely uh, sure on that matter of fact. So we charged a very small fee, but what was surprising was we had people who were very under-resourced. Like they did not have a big income sign up because they had the willingness and the eagerness to learn from us. 
So in Investor Podium, we had these students. We trained them for one and a half months. But followed by that, we did not teach them any book knowledge. We did not teach them anything that a university te teaches them. We taught them how to trade. You open a brokerage account, you understand, and you start making money from day one. That was the ultimate goal of our organization at large. So we got these students, we trained them, we mentored them, we told them our story, we told them the things that we face so that they don't have to lose their money on like the way I lost so much money in trading. They shouldn't have to go through that procedure. And in the end, we had a lot of people who actually became self-sufficient in the end. What do you mean self-sufficient is that they started with 5,000 Indian rupees and they started making 2,000, 1,000, 1,500 Indian rupees every day. And this amount is a very big amount for people considering the purchasing power. I just convert that uh, for my audience. I would say 5,000 divided by 62 is around $80. You start with $80 and you're making approximately $16. That's a huge return on your yeah. investment. And that is very big amount for these people who come from you know not so resourced backgrounds. So some of those stories I'd say is we trained a grade 10 student to become financially stable where he started trading with a big amount and he could afford his own college education based on based on his trading. So there were numerous other stories where people, but the ultimate goal was that these people were actually making money and they saw tangible result, results in their bank account. So that was the whole story of investor building. Wow. Wow. So impactful. And so just hearing you tell this story, I can tell it's it's in your blood. It's so it's your passion. It's so cool. Hey, I want to shift a little bit now to AI. I mean, AI is everywhere. You turn on the news, the radio, everything today. You know, everyone's talking about AI. Um, and in your world, obviously, the application of AI and artificial intelligence um, is coming into trading solutions and, and the in intersect of that finance and technology. Are you excited about that? Are you scared about that? What are you thinking about that? I think I am very excited about that. But... To be excited about that, you need to exploit the benefits of AI. So something that I have been doing recently, I don't think so that's an available in public domain, but I am pursuing a, a separate course from another accredited university slash institution in India. It's called Quantisty. It's world's only recognized quantitative trading institute, which teaches you from scratch on how to trade using algorithmic strategies, machine learning, and the application of finance in that. So I think I'm very excited about this because a, it cuts out a lot of redundant tasks that used to happen. For instance, backtesting a normal strategy on five years on how that strategy has done was such a tedious task to do by an individual. Now you can go to chat GPT. You can put, this is my strategy. Give me the backtested returns for the five years. And it will give you not only the results, it will forward test, backtest, give you the results, make a report for you. will do everything for you. But you should know how to use it in the right way. And for that matter of fact, AI can translate into any other domain as well. It And as I see, I follow a newsletter called Adepto AI. And it basically tells me on how every day new AIs are getting funding and how new AI startups are solving new problems. So we have thousands of startups coming up for research, for music, for voice, for transcribing, for just creating new images. I would say something that I'd encourage 15, 16-year-olds to 35-year-olds is get onto this AI cycle very quickly. Go out of your way to learn how to exploit these AIs. Do not make them, but whatever is available in the domain, use them to increase your productivity. Use, improve your meaningful tasks that you're doing at a workplace or at any place. 
such great advice and you're right it's um it's coming into every which way into our lives and staying on top of that but also getting more involved in understanding it um and just as you're describing it in your world in my world too of recruiting and talent it's augmenting the things that maybe we didn't want to do anyways right <laughs> so uh so it's kind of it's it's a cool area to be looking at and it's it's definitely here but thanks for sharing that because i had i was really curious about the the space you're in um cutting edge developments quantitative training maintaining physical wellness can also be challenging how do you balance and what advice do you have for students who are you know striving for professional and personal excellence in and also staying on top of all this stuff that, as you mentioned i think it's very simple all of us like all the humans know what they should do like if you want to lose weight you know you need to eat less and you need to start exercising if you want to get good grades you better start studying early i mean these are the certain things which everybody knows it's very common it's not rocket science i vehemently believe all these theories motivation speakers all of this is it's not required if you sit down and you think okay what do i need to improve in my life and you can start it but the mantra to get those points is i that's my mantra to do is one thing at a time if yeah. you think about okay i need to lose 10 kgs of weight do my syllabus as well as go get a girlfriend do everything it's not going to happen <laughs> one step at a time is the mantra so a uh, example would be that for instance i have two midterms and other exams coming up and if i start thinking that i need to finish all of those syllabuses all of the syllabus tonight it won't work so what do i do i break those tasks into meaningful small tasks that i need to complete for next 5 days i'm going to complete two chapters per day which will result in me completing my syllabus on day 5 i'll have two days remaining to practice final papers and then go confident in my exam so something that i i'd recommend everyone to do is having a broader goal break it into smaller tasks and genuinely follow those steps and make a legitimate schedule not like okay you're going to sleep for 4 hours wake up run to the gym do everything at night have it on your nature and suiting it to your needs i think that that would be a managing professional and personal development this is great i uh i think you could be a motivational speaker as well though by the way um just saying <laughs> um okay let's talk a little bit about collaboration um and knowing your passion for team collaboration it's evident how do you incorporate that value into work especially in roles that may involve independent tasks such as quantitative trading i think just collaborating is something which is a mandatory portion of everybody's life and humans innately are social beings like the whole existence of humans come from the fact that we are social beings and we love to interact but you need to understand that everybody might not react the same way you like for instance i like to i like to eat biryani like but you don't you're not even heard of biryani ever right i cannot come up and order biryani and make you to eat it yeah you will be more open to eating it if i decide to eat your dish and in return i would be open to eating your dish and you'd be open to my eating this i i believe it's about cultivating those relationships but through different approach tailored to different people for instance this uh, semester i was fortunate enough to join a fraternity it's called beta theta pi at university of toronto downtown and that allowed me to understand how diverse our world is like i got to understand what means for other people too for instance a simple hot dog has a lot more value 
for someone who's coming from america than to me so i need to appreciate that and form a bond or connection over that but it allows all it allows you to go out of your comfort zone for instance i cannot be hanging out with people all the time who who have the same interests as as me i cannot be having the same friend group all over there i'll have people who don't like what i like but it's fine so being meaningful being thoughtful about what others like and tailoring your needs to them is i think something very important for those success and i think that's something that definitely guides me whenever i go into the workplace the first question is not about work it's about how was your day so okay you you are in a bad mood it's fine and i think that's also a very important interview skill that you need to understand once you walk into the room and you see the other person is tired you don't go with a very chubby and smiley face and be like hi hi my name is this you have to understand what the other person is going through as well if he's sad you might be lower lower your tone ask them hi is everything all right do you want some time it, it can be as small as those things and that would make people feel special and in turn will help you feel special really good advice really good advice thank you for that um so you know talked a little bit about wellness earlier but you know academic professional realms you, you value your wellness um how do you stay healthy both physically and mentally these days i think something that i have lost over like since my high school days is my consistency to going to the gym but i was fortunate enough to have friends that have pointed out that you have been not been consistent in going to the gym so taking that criticism is something that has allowed me to come back so now what i'm doing is i'm basically managing my schedule in terms of not going to the gym every day but at least being consistent 3 to 4 times mm-hmm. a week in addition to that i am very passionate about football so i basically have have incorporated my fitness into football games so at monday at university of toronto we have drop ins and anybody can come and play there so nice. i definitely go to this drop ins or play football but outside of that i'd also say something that i've done lately to lose a lot of weight was water fasting water fasting is said to have numerous benefits and i fasted for 7 days where i did not eat anything and i only drank water oh, wow. that allowed me to shed approximately 14 15 pounds and that basically set up the tone for me to stay healthier and you know continue the journey which i originally like fell off from yeah and i think life changes right and i mean i remember when i was around your age i was going to the gym a lot and now i incorporate other health things like walking and instead of driving somewhere i'll walk somewhere or whatever right if it's possible um so those things change during your life but um I think it's important obviously as you think too like to keep yourself well and in physical and mental wellness as you go through your day. Um I have to ask you do though I think I saw a video of you do you you can deadlift? Can you deadlift? Yes, I I can. How deadlift. much? <laughs> <laughs> I I my one rep max was around 160 kg so wow. that would be around I don't know 320 something. That's... I think it's 1.2 Thanks. Yeah. So that that's around roughly. Oh, I I can't do the math, but I I think it's 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 around three three hundred three hundred. Yeah, I mean, because I do my research right when I'm uh, yeah. even though I know all the guests, I do a little bit more research to see if I can introduce some <laughs> things. But that's pretty impressive too, by the way. <laughs> I was you. like, wow, that's cool. Um, so you know, is there anything? Uh, well, well, first of all, what's next for you? I think something I'm definitely looking forward to is completing my program with Quantisty and having that 
tech side of the things as well in my portfolio. Second, I would say I'm definitely looking forward for my internship as a second year student and the first time being on a trade floor at a big bank is a big opportunity for me. And last but not least, I, I, I think over my years, I've understood the art of making connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people in the first year have misunderstood what networking is. Networking is a buzzword that's sold to you and it's nothing but knowing people. Networking is as simple as that. Oh, I met Brian at one of the events and he was talking about this and we resonated on certain common points. That's that's it. So I think something that I look forward to is making genuine connections and knowing more people outside of just work. Like knowing them, oh, how's their family doing? What are their interests? And not knowing them, oh, I, I know him because he works at X bank or he he's doing something. So I think those are a few things that I look forward to. Yeah, I, I think for bringing that up too, because I think it's such a big part of today's world and it's it goes back to human nature of, of what you said earlier. People want to be around people. People want to be social. We're social animals for the most part. I mean, we get nervous sometimes and whatever, but even I remember like how I was at the school and you know, a lot of students will just hear me talk about something and they'll leave where you and I engaged and talked and stayed in contact. And I often tell a lot of young people too, and people I meet along the journey is like, you know, sometimes you might, you know, come back in a year from now and be like, Hey, what's going on? How you been? What's happening? And I might do that with you too. Cause I think you have a story to follow up on this podcast. Um, but I think it's, it's that natural occurrence that you find those common interests or those things that you each can learn from. It's a mutual beneficial relationship that way, um, which is really cool. So thank you for bringing that up. I know we discovered a lot of territory. You shared so much um, about your journey and all the information that a lot of these students and people listening to this podcast are going to really value. Is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to share before we think to close out for today? I think we hit most of the points that was there, but I think Last but not the least, I just share the importance of having a strong friend group. I mean, something when all the things fall apart, when you're not getting job offers, when you're not getting any interviews, you're not getting those grades. You should always have people to talk to. And th- those small things really help you to get back. Like there are times in my career where I was losing money in trading. So my brother helped me. When at university, I couldn't settle in. I met few friends who genuinely encouraged me to do things. When I was getting fat, my friends back from high school told me that you are you're not going back, like you're not the same one, same person that knew. So I think taking those, I'd say, taking those feedback from these people and actually thinking about them is very important. And last but not the least, I'd say understanding how other people think, function, or why are they doing certain things also helps you to go out of like basically helps you become a superhuman for instance that in the beginning i mentioned that how something that differentiates me how i think for instance i have friends who if i tell them a small thing they think a lot about it Mm -hmm. so how i see that situation is why are they thinking so much about such a small thing that i wouldn't think about and that actually opens up my mind a lot more which allows me to take into different perspectives i think that's it from mine that's Amazing. And I think you've opened up a lot of minds today and a lot of hearts today, hearts and minds to think about how uh, they can embrace some of the things you shared. And, um, you know, I, I value doing this podcast so much. And the most reason I value it is because it's to give back to have this type of opportunity for you all 
to share and um and i'm glad we met i'm glad you came into my world and uh i look forward to staying in touch and uh seeing where you go from here um it, it's going to be an exciting path for you and i wish you all the best absolutely and i just take a sincere moment to thank you for all the work that you do for so many students and i, I think it's it's people like you that actually you know spark up the change because the first time i met you it was the time which allowed me to think that oh is there a way i can also give back to the community and so you opened up my mind in the beginning that's why i'm here and i hope so that my podcast would help someone else and they can think the same way but i i take a genuine moment to thank you for all the work that you do thank for the you. community and for everyone else and i i know you have a pretty tough uh, busy schedule and thank you so much for taking out the time and doing this with me Oh, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And um, I know our guests are going to get a lot out of this and listeners. So for the guests and listeners, if uh, you like what you heard today, please share this podcast on Spotify. And you can also follow us on Coffee with Convery. Uh, for now, um, that's it for today. But please stay well and stay in touch. Take care now.